episode 41 of Believe in Hockey Prospects. My name is Luke LeGrand. And I'm Jess Rubensee. Thank you for spending your time with us. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. The NHL is back in action, and now is your chance to win some money while you watch. Bet Online has lines, spreads, and props on every single game this season, so you never have to worry about missing out on the action. But whether you're looking to place a bet on the NHL, the big game on Sunday, or any other sport, Bet Online has you covered. So head to betonline.ag and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. This is Believe in Hockey Prospects, the show all about discussing the future stars in the game of hockey. We believe in the future. Do you believe? This week, we will have another college hockey recap for you. But first, we've got some more hockey leagues returning to play this month, Jess. While the queue is slowly but surely working its way through their season, and we still have no word on the return of the OHL, early last week we got word that the WHL has gotten the green light from the government of Alberta, and they will start their season on February 26th. The league also noted that the Central Division will play their 24-game regular season exclusively in Alberta, with no club allowed to cross the border. We'll also see the return of the AHL this Friday, along with some changes to go along with their new season. Let's first go over the four affiliation changes that have occurred this season. The San Antonio Rampage affiliate of the St. Louis Blues have been rebranded as the Henderson Silver Knights, and they will now be the AHL team of the Vegas Golden Knights. The Chicago Wolves, formerly the AHL team of the Vegas Golden Knights, will now be the affiliate for the Carolina Hurricanes. But don't worry about the Charlotte Checkers, though. After being the affiliate of the Hurricanes, they will now be with the Florida Panthers. And to round out this game of musical chairs, the Springfield Thunderbirds, instead of representing the Panthers, will now represent the St. Louis Blues. But there is one other big piece of news regarding affiliation, Jess. Three teams have opted out of the 2021 AHL season. The previously mentioned Charlotte Checkers and Springfield Thunderbirds and the Nashville Predators affiliate, the Milwaukee Admirals. Due to these teams opting out of the AHL season, the league has allowed it dual affiliation to allow the players of these teams an opportunity to play this season. So the AHL has announced that Nashville's Milwaukee Admirals will be partnering with Carolina Chicago Wolves. Florida Charlotte Checkers will be partnering with Tampa Bay Syracuse Crunch, and the St. Louis Blues and Springfield Thunderbirds will be partnering with Vancouver's Utica Comets. So Jess, that's a lot to take in, but after hearing all of that, are you excited or nervous about the return of some more hockey? Well, if I'm a hockey fan, I'm probably just watching my head spin after all that. <laughs> yeah, five teams in the WHL have the go-ahead to play, but there's still no word about the other 17. I can't see, like in the case of the Portland Winterhawk, if the state of Oregon is allowing college basketball and college football, that they don't allow hockey. That's ridiculous. There's very little word about the state of Washington where the rest of the WHL's U.S. division plays in. I mean, you're talking Spokane, Tri-Cities, Everett, and Seattle. They've gotten no word from their Governor Inslee and the other provinces, Saskatchewan, British Columbia, and Manitoba, also haven't decided what they're going to do and what they're going to allow. What I've seen about the COVID news up in Canada, they're just as bad as what we're having in the States. Who knows? I mean, if I'm the WHL and I know I can play in Alberta, 
which means we're talking Edmonton, Calgary, Red Deer, Medicine Hat, then I might seriously consider putting a bubble up if I can fit teams in Edmonton or Calgary because you've got other arenas besides the NHL arenas. Then I got to think about maybe that's the only way I'm going to get 24 games in and then the playoffs. But the question we should be asking is, how are these kids that are draft eligible, how are they going to get notice this year? I mean, 24 games is going to be really hard. And I'm not talking about the superstars. I mean, those guys, they're all right. But what I am talking about is that kid who might be the go in the fifth or sixth or seventh round. How is he going to get that extra notice? The guys that mentored me scouting-wise, they always talked about how they always like to have three looks if they really like the player. You know, say uh, – I got a player that's in the queue, and I think he's good. So a team would take their Western scout and send him to the queue to check out that kid to get a second look at him. From there, you got the general manager who comes up. He's going to get the third look. Considering how many players are in the various leagues, you're talking about three or 400, many as 600 in a league. There's no way a kid's going to get a good look by the NHL teams. There's not going to be another combine. If it was me, I would delay the draft. I would wait until, say, next November or December, because if things are better by then, you would be able to fit in at least a half a season of the 21-22 season. You make a great point, Jess, in saying that we still have so many unanswered questions. If the WHL season is like a jigsaw puzzle, it only feels like we have the corners so far. There's a lot more to figure out, but I think for right now, it's a good first step for the dub. I don't think there was a lot of hope for these guys to make it back, especially with the OHL announcing their return and changing their mind over and over. But it's great for these guys to see some play. The only thing I'm concerned about, and you brought it up already, Jess, is we've seen how, even at the NHL level, these guys are so rusty having to jump right into the season this late. And for example, just you and I are both Ranger fans. Alexis Lafreniere just scored his first NHL goal eight games into the season. Normally, that's not a big issue in a normal year where everything is fine. But this year, that's almost 15% of the season. 24 games is not a lot, especially if you start slow. I expect a lot of guys we have high hopes for, even the superstars that you mentioned, not to have a fantastic production that we expect them to have. But hey... Maybe I'm wrong and we'll see guys pop off. It's all a dice roll until the games start happening. And I feel the same way about the AHL. I'm excited to see the games be played, but I do have my fair share of concerns, notably with the dual affiliation. Now, let me know if this makes sense, Jess, but I'll try to explain it. While I think having dual affiliates is the fairest way to do things, I'm still not sure if it's fair. Because this setup reminds me a lot of the times when I was a kid. I would go play the NHL video game on my PlayStation. I'd get really bored, and instead of playing as one team, I'd play as two or three. I'd give all the good guys to one team. Now, this isn't a video game, right? Just having talented guys on your team doesn't win you the games outright. That's why we play all 60 minutes. But there's a chance that we see someone who could have been a top-line player in Charlotte be a bottom six forward in Syracuse. 
with all that said, if you turned the question on me and said, well, Luke, if that's not fair, how do you fix it? Honestly, I don't know. But instead of looking down the line, let's look at the whole picture. It's a great opportunity for all of these players to get back out on the ice. It provides some financial and career stability for a lot of different guys. A championship is important, Jess, don't get me wrong, but I think I'd rather be playing the game I'd love to play instead of sitting at home and doing nothing. What concerns me is, okay, dual affiliation. Which team is going to pick the coach? You can only have like maybe 24 guys on a roster. So that means half of your prospects aren't going to play. And since there is very little news about the ECHL, I mean, they're playing right now, but they've got their own players that they've signed. That's who's playing for them right now. I just have, a, you know, some serious concerns about fairness to these kids because a lot of these guys, boy, it's going to be really hard for them to afford to remain as players in the AHL when you hear that they're getting a prorated salary and some of these guys are only going to make about $30,000 as a player. And if you think $30,000 as a player is still good money, you take in that you got to buy your own insurance, you pay your agent, your taxes, you've got a family, hey, we're all struggling. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, and I hope it works because these guys, they need the AHL if they want to make it to the NHL. There are some guys who I don't think can handle a year loss of their development. Not only that, Jess, but we've talked before on this show how on AHL teams, you can't just have it be a full roster of just young guys. But now when you have to think about these three teams who are going to have two rosters combined, how do you make up that mix? Do you go when it comes to that fourth line with a young guy from the other team who has a lot of upside? Or do you go with a 35-year-old who you know is going to play you hard every night? It's going to be really tough to see who gets screwed out of this because the AHL has become such an important place for a, guys trying to rebound their career, and B, the young guys who need a few games in their career before they make it to the big league. Being Home with Hunker is a podcast where we visit with designers, artists, and creatives in the spaces that express and shape their identities, their homes. If you love design and decor, if you're curious about how people live, or if you've been transitioning or transforming your own home, you'll love these honest conversations. Join us weekly at Being Home with Hunker. Visit hunker.com forward slash podcast where you can find, subscribe, and listen to the show. But I think it's time for the college hockey recap. Jess knows who's at number 10. It's the UMass Minutemen. At number 9, up from number 11, are the Omaha Mavericks. At number 8, down from number 5, is the Bowling Green Falcons. At number 7, up from number 8, is the Michigan Wolverines. At number six, we have the Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs. Also up one spot at number five are the St. Cloud Huskies. Reprising their role at number four with two first place votes are the Minnesota Golden Gophers. At number three, with ten first place votes down from number two, the Minnesota State Mavericks. The number two team with nine first place votes up from number three are the North Dakota Fighting Hawks. And still at number one with 19 first place votes, the Boston College Eagles. Now, let's get to the scoreboard. Here are all the games from this weekend as of recording. In the Big Ten, we have three series this weekend. Two of them were sweeps. The first is number four, Minnesota, putting up 5-1 and 5-2 victories over Ohio State, as well as number six, Wisconsin, who recorded a 4-1 win and a 6-0 shutout over Michigan State. The last series in the conference was a split between Notre Dame and Penn State. 
The Nittany Lions get a 2-1 overtime win on Thursday, and the Fighting Irish get a 3-2 overtime win on Friday. In Hockey East, we'll start off with the Battle of the UMasses, number 16 Lowell and number 10 Amherst. And lucky for you, Jess, Amherst gets the sweep here with a 5-0 shutout and a 2-1 win. We also had UConn sweep the weekend. They top Merrimack on back-to-back nights 6-1 and 6-2. One more series this weekend between number 17 Providence and New Hampshire. Providence takes game one with a 5-1 win. Game two will be played later on today. In the NCHC, number six Minnesota Duluth sweeps Miami with a 2-1 and a 6-3 win to get themselves back on track. But then we have a split series between two of the top 10 teams. Number two, North Dakota gets a 6-2 win in game one, but number nine, Omaha, comes back in game two to take a 5-4 victory home with them. In the WCHA, two more sweeps to add. The first is number eight, Bowling Green, collecting two wins against number 18, Michigan Tech, 6-3 and 5-2. The other being Northern Michigan, winning back-to-back against Ferris State, 5-4 and 5-3. And finally, only one non-conference game to report on, but it's a big one. Bemidji State is at it again. This past Friday, they handed Minnesota State their second loss in regulation, 4-1. This is Bemidji State's fourth win in a row, all of which come against top 10 teams. All right, Jess, let's hear it. What do you think of this weekend? I focused on Wisconsin and Michigan State, as well as I wanted to watch UConn. I'll talk to UConn first. UConn has been a surprise team. It's been a really a rough ride for UConn, you know, in the Hockey East. But they're a winning team right now. Granted, it's 7-6-2, and two, but just about all of their wins, matter of fact, all of their wins are in regulation, which is a good thing because that gets you the most points. And they're sitting fifth in Hockey East when they've normally been a bottom feeder. In so many ways, I think they've been overmatched. On the other side, you know, Wisconsin, what a bounce-back season they've had. I mean, they were in the toilet last year at the the mercy of everybody else. But this year, I mean, you're talking a very serious firehouse of a team. Have you watched Cole Caulfield? He is like literally on fire. He's 14, 14 and 28, but in the last 10 games, smoking hot, nine goals, 10 assists, and he scored goals in five consecutive games, seven goals in those five games. Unbelievable season for the sophomore. He is, matter of fact, at the very top of the NC2A scoring lead. He's number one. He's averaging 1.56 points per game. He's been really good. I mean, 18 games, he's only taken one minor penalty. He's got six power play goals. He's got a plus four. It's an impressive season for the sophomore of Wisconsin. And that's why they have been able to bounce back like they have. Before I get to the teams I want to discuss, Jess, you bring up a great point with Cole Caulfield. We've been discussing the scoring leaders in the NCAA for the past few weeks. Cole Caulfield has been around the 4-5 or mark, and right now he is tied for number one with Odin Tufto. Absolutely on a tear. You cannot stop him right now. I can't wait to see how long this goes on for, because it looks like nothing can stop him right now. But looking at the top of the crop in the NCAA, I think first place voting continues to get more interesting as the season draws closer to the end. I probably would have made BC my number one vote, but I do believe that Minnesota deserves some more love. Four-game win streak, all against formerly ranked teams. Jackson Lacombe, Blake McLaughlin, and Sammy Walker all had big weekends again. 
And if you look at their three losses, Wisconsin and Notre Dame are nothing to sneeze at. I think that this team is so much better than number four in the nation, and I hope the Raiders aren't sleeping on them because come tournament time, I think they've got a real shot at going deep. But there's one more team I want to talk about. I came on the show last week, and I said Bemidji State was an all right team. I think if they don't make the top 20 this week, I'm going to write a strongly worded letter to show.com. I understand 6-4-2 is not a record to write home about. I get that. I really do. But they have played two games all season against an unranked opponent, and only two of their ranked opponents weren't a top-10 team. Boston College hasn't played a ranked opponent in over a month, to put that in perspective for you. Bemidji State is on a four-game win streak, all against top-10 teams in the nation, and they came into this week number 23 in voting. They haven't been ranked since opening week. I really think it's time to put some respect on the Beavers' name because, by God, I think they've earned it. I agree with you. I question Boston College being number one. Like you said, I think right now the number one team in the NC2A is Minnesota with maybe North Dakota and Minnesota State being my top three. It's nothing nasty about Boston College. It's just that the other teams, Minnesota has been unbelievable in regulation. They're 15 and three. North Dakota, which is 11 and four. It's not a knock on Boston College, but I just think other teams are playing better. That's going to do it for us. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the Prospect Park for Jess, at Luke Legrano for myself. If you liked this episode, be sure to rate us five stars on iTunes. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts and share this episode with your friends. Thanks for listening to another episode of Believe in Hockey Prospects. My name is Luke Legrano. And I'm Jeff Rubenstein. You got to stay safe, please. And let's go enjoy some hockey. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. We hope to see you next time. Take care.